Well, it's so good to see you all here at Levita, and we're also welcoming Selwyn this morning who are joining us via online. It's so great that you guys can join with us today as well. Uh, and also those joining us online, perhaps some of you are actually on holiday this morning somewhere, and uh, you're having a great holiday, but you chose still on this Resurrection Sunday to tune in. Well, we've said it already, He is risen. He is indeed. Easter Sunday, for us as followers of Jesus, it's always a great time for us to gather together and remember and focus again on what Jesus Christ has done for all of us. What is resurrection truly means. Is there anyone here this morning who's grateful for Jesus? That you've gathered today with such gratitude in your heart for what he's done. But it's not the only time we as believers consider Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. In fact, for most of us, we live with that truth and that revelation on a daily basis. On a daily basis, we're grateful for Jesus. But there's something special about Easter Sunday when God's kids get together and we just come around this idea and revelation again, all together, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for us. Easter truly shows us the motive of God the Father's heart. Why is that important for us? Because one of the big questions that people have in the world today, beyond if God truly exists, is, is God good and is God loving? People look at the state of the world around them through the lens of their own brokenness and pain with their own understanding. And if they even stop to consider uh, whether God is real, they also struggle to believe that there's a God who's good and a God who's loving. And in moments, even as believers, we can be confronted with those same exact thoughts. Confused by the circumstances and unsure of how God of love could allow the personal pain that I have to endure be present in my life. Or even at a deeper level, God could not love me because I'm too messed up and have done too much wrong. Those thoughts, by the way, from time to time are okay. God is not afraid of your feelings and God is not afraid of your thoughts. Life can be disorientating and confusing and difficult to navigate in our humanity. But Easter is a great reminder of who our God is and how He feels about us each personally and also how God feels about the entire planet. Easter is a huge signpost to God's deep love for the world and all those in it. We know Easter is the conclusion of Jesus' earthly ministry. The reason He came in the first place was to die in our place and take upon Himself our sin, our shame, and our guilt. That we could be made righteous before God. What does that mean? It just simply means to be in right standing with God. In other words, I'm okay with God thanks to what Jesus has done for me. Jesus broke down everything that separated people from God. The Bible talks about how the wages of sin is death. Now, I don't know if you're on a salary, but effectively a lot of people earn wages. It's a result of the work that we do. It's payment we deserve for all that we have achieved. When we go to work, we earn wages. Now, the wages of sin, the Bible says, is the punishment we deserve for our mess and our mistakes, our shortcomings as human beings. We mess up, but that's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus took our punishment upon Himself. He paid the debt that we had that we could never pay. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But notice what Paul is saying. In fact, Paul, the apostle who wrote this, is pitching uh, different results against each other in this passage. He talks about wages versus the gift. We earn wages, but we are given a gift. A gift cannot be earned. A gift is not earned. And it's given with the motive of the gift being love. The gift of eternal life. This is awesome. Well, this for me cancels the wages of sin. And Jesus is that gift. When we throw ourselves upon him, the gift of salvation is ours. That's the power of the Easter message. Then Paul goes on and he pitches death versus eternal life. See, sin leads us to spiritual death, separation from God. But the acceptance of Jesus as Savior leads to eternal life and the forgiveness for all our wrongdoing. Have I got any brothers and sisters in both places this morning who know they're forgiven thanks to Jesus, that he's paid the wages, the price for our mistakes? This is the power of Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus. He defeated sin and death. He took our mistakes, the mess of our lives, our brokenness and the consequences for them upon himself. He was buried in shame, having been crucified and separated from the Father, put in a tomb, but he rose in power. The stone was rolled away. Death was conquered. Sin was defeated. That's why all our worship belongs to him. That's why we gather this Easter Sunday and every other day of our lives when we worship God, it's because of the revelation of the price that Jesus has paid for us and He is worthy of all our worship. He's the only way to heaven. There is no other name by which man can be saved, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. He is the name that is above every other name. He is the one true King. We've already sung about this this morning. He rose victorious for us. Not just for us, but for you. For every single one of you, Jesus rose victorious. This morning, though, I want to take a look back for a bit at the motive of the Father for sending Jesus. I feel this morning to remind us all who our God truly is. That in a world that wonders if God is good or loving, it's good to be reminded of the love of the Father for the whole world. John 3:16, if you're a believer, you'll know this passage well. It's central to the gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This passage gives us clarity on God's total motive and who our God truly is. God loved us, God loved you so much that he gave his son, which secured for us eternal life. God's process is love, give, live. God's love is a love that gives. He gave his one and only son and it leads to life, eternal life and life everlasting. I want us to focus on this love for a few minutes this morning. Because what kind of love must this be if God was willing to give up his most precious possession for a world that was full of people who truly deserved the wages for their sin. From God's perspective, when he looked down on the earth and he looked at the state of people's lives and he looked at the mess, a human hurting human, war, nation versus nation, and all the brokenness that was going on, from God's perspective, surely 
The world deserved the wages for its sin, but that didn't stop God sending his most precious gift, his son Jesus, into the world to pay the price for us. What kind of love drives God to pay the price for us? Well, in Scripture, there are four types of love in the Greek that we can see, and I just want to briefly touch on three of them and then really focus on one this morning. The first kind of love is storge, which is family love. It's a deep love for one's own family, deep bond between family members. You've heard it said blood is thicker than water. There's this incredible bond between family that God gives us, and it's an incredible gift when God puts us into families. That was God's original design, and God's intention was to sit us in families where there would be an incredible love one for another. What a gift from God that we are put into families. It's a special love, but the enemy has tried hard for a long time to divide families, to break down the family kind of love, but it's also the same kind of love that's present in a church family, where I'm a part of a family that God has put me. Do you see God's design and His intention? This is the kind of love we experience when we support each other, when we're in community together, when we're in family with each other. The second kind of love is philia love or close friendship, known as brotherly love or sisterly love. Broken down, it means a love of equals who are united in a common purpose pursuit. And it's based on mutual respect, shared devotion, joint interests, and common values. For me, this is an incredible kind of love. It's a chosen love. It's not a have-to love. I'm not just in a family, so now I should love my siblings, if anyone knows what I mean. This is a chosen kind of love. We chose a closeness with each other. This is a special kind of love, one for another. The kind of loving relationship is a gift from God that brings great joy into the recipient's life. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We know that's true of Jesus, but what a gift it is in life when you have a close relationship with someone chose to be in your life, chose to be with you through the ups and downs, chose to stick at it when life's not going, chose to be there for you in the storms, chose to accept you regardless of your faults. That kind of friendship is a gift from God. That kind of love one for another is a great blessing in our lives. The third kind of love is eros or romantic love. A better description for it actually is sexual love. Intimacy that can only be found in the act of sex in marriage. This is a gift from God. A great gift when used appropriately. It's a sign of the kind of closeness and the kind of vulnerability that we are to have with God. It's a closeness that nothing is hidden or withheld between two people and in their relationship. It's this great intimacy that can only be discovered this way. And when we understand the power of Eros, it is so beautiful within a marriage to bring people to a place of complete unity and total intimacy. What a gift. But the enemy has distorted and damaged sexuality to the point of destroying people's lives and doing his best to remove the intimacy aspect to try and make it simply a transaction of pleasure only. Destroying people's innocence and vulnerability and attacking people's sense of identity. This was a gift that God gave us to be used in a marriage relationship where we could be completely vulnerable and open to each other. 
Here's the fourth type of love, and this is the one I want to focus on this morning, is agape love, or divine love, pure, willful, sacrificial love of God for his children. This is the very love that shows us the very character and nature of God. This is why we have Easter, because of agape love, God's love for the whole world. He loved the world so much. He loved you so much that he did not even withhold his own son, but sent him into the world as a sacrifice for us all. Agape love is different from the other expressions of love. The three other expressions are both about the giver and the receiver. They are mutual, and both parties need to express their love for it to truly work. It takes both people to live in equal sacrifice and willingness to give and receive. But agape love is different. And in it, we see the complete character of who our God is. See, we know that God does not just love, God is love. That means love is God's character. It's who He is. And we see it displayed, agape love in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Agape love is all about the giver and not about the receiver's worthiness or acceptance. God gave his love and expressed it through sending Jesus, not because any of us deserved it, not because we earned it or we could earn it, not because it was the right thing to do, not because of equal sacrifice, but because that is who our God is. That is his very character and nature. He gave his love regardless of what the response of the receiver might be. Do you see the difference between agape love and the other three? Agape love has nothing to do with how we receive His love and everything to do with who He is. It's His character and nature. But that is the power of agape. It's not about deserve. It's not about worthy. It's not about earned it. It's God's very nature to love you as you are. That's why agape love is so incredible. God gives you His love regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, and He expressed it by sending Jesus to the cross. Again, that's the power of the Easter message for us today. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it, and we couldn't earn it. We were not worthy, but He gave it because of who He is. Paul writes this in Romans 3, verse 22 to 24. This righteousness, I love this, is given through faith in Christ to all who believe. Notice to all who believe. When you put your faith in Christ, you're made righteous with God. That's for every person. It doesn't say it's only for those that are slightly better than others. It's for all people who believe. There's no difference, it says, between Jew and Gentile. Gentile simply meaning non-Jew. For all have sinned. I'm glad we're all in this together. And all fall short of the glory of God. But here's the key. And all are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We've all sinned and we all fall short. We've all earned wages for the mistakes in our lives. But thanks to agape love, God sending Jesus to become our sacrifice. All those who give their lives to Jesus, who put their faith in Him and believe in Him, who have thrown themselves upon God's mercy have received total forgiveness. Agape love is a love that gives regardless of the response. As believers, when we love that way, 
We love in a sacrificial way, regardless of the response we might get from the receiver, we are demonstrating the very nature and character of God. That's what the world truly needs to see from us. That kind of love is a love that gives. And that kind of giving leads people to life. Jesus' resurrection is the fulfillment of all God's love promised us. And all we hope for as children of God, that we will spend eternity with God in heaven. But God never promised that life would be easy. If only life was easy. If only it would be smooth sailing. If only we wouldn't face sickness and problems in the world like everybody else. But God never promised that life would be easy. And this is where the question, is God good, breaks down for many. Bad things happen, so my conclusion is, God must not be good or He must not love me. And Jesus Himself speaks to that reality in John 16, He's speaking to His disciples. He says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. This is Jesus speaking. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says. Take heart today, for this is what we celebrate. I have overcome the world. The ultimate goodness of God is found in the promise we each have for eternity. That's where all pain will cease. Every tear will be wiped away. All fighting, all trouble, all difficulty, every obstacle will be broken down. And God in His loving goodness, and this is the key, has not only promised it for eternity, but He said, I will be with you in the midst of every difficulty that you walk through in the earth. Psalm 23 verse four says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God has promised to be with us in the midst of dark valleys. God's goodness is not nullified because we have dark valleys to walk through, but His goodness is amplified because of the promise that He made to always be with us and to see us through to the ultimate fulfillment of His promise that one day all pain will cease. Every tear will be wiped from their eyes. But in the meantime, Jesus has promised that He will be with us. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. The power of Christ in you is greater than the trouble that is around you. And I ask this question, is God a loving God? Well, He sent Jesus because of His deep love for the world. He poured out our punishment upon Jesus, who took the price for our sin upon Himself, cancelling the enemy's charge against us, defeating sin and death and every obstacle that blocked our relationship with Him, every stripe of His whip, of the whip He took for you. When He was spat on and when He was mocked on His way to the cross, He took it for you. Each nail He took in His hands and His feet, He took for you. The crown of thorns that was put on His head, King Jesus wore for you. The spear that was thrust into His side, He took that for you. And He conquered the grave and overcame sin and death for you. Is God loving? Is God good? John 19, verse 28 to 30. Right at the end of Jesus' life as He hung on the cross, this is what we read later, knowing that everything had now been finished. 
And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, powerful words, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So by saying, it is finished, Jesus was signaling to the Jewish world that there was no more need for sacrifices because his work on the cross brought the ultimate fulfillment to what their sacrificial system foreshadowed. Easter reminds us, don't return to your human system of sacrifice. Don't go back to attempting to earn God's forgiveness or earn his love or earn his mercy but to again accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He nullified the system of sacrifice and the human effort and took away the wages of sin, bringing us into relationship with God. And he said, it is finished. I did it for you. It is finished once and for all. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, making the way for all people to come freely to the Father because of Him. Is God good? Is God loving? I say, yes, He is. There is no other conclusion I can make in my life. When I look at where I was and I look at where I am now, Jesus Christ forgave me for my sin, broke down every obstacle that was between me and the Father and took the penalty for my sin upon Himself, bringing freedom into my life. And the Bible says, those the Son sets free are free indeed. There is no other conclusion in my life than God is good and God is loving. Coming to a conclusion, Isaiah 25, verse eight. The prophet Isaiah, prophesying of what was to come, said this of Jesus, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Isaiah 53 verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. I'm gonna ask you to stay seated this morning in both places. And if you're able, just to close your eyes, maybe bow your heads. I just wanna pray for us this morning. And then the the team's gonna sing a marvellous song over us all today. Dear God, we thank you that you make all things new. We thank you for the victory and power that is in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys over death. Thank you that by your might, Jesus was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life with you. Thank you for your plan. Thank you that you made a way. We praise you for your great strength. We praise you for your lavish love. We praise you that you are conqueror, victor, victor, redeemer, and friend. We praise you that you are deliverer, worthy one, everlasting Father, great and awesome God. And we simply confess our need of you afresh this morning. We ask that you renew our hearts, our minds, and lives for the days ahead. We pray for your refreshing over us. Keep your words of truth planted firm within us. Help us to keep focused on what is pure and right. Give us the power to be obedient to your word. And when the enemy comes to remind us of who we've been, where we've been and what we've done, spilling his lies and attacks our way, we trust that your voice speaks louder 
and stronger, reminding us we are safe with you and that your purposes and plans will never fail. We ask that you will be our defence. You will be our rear guard, keeping our way clear, removing the obstacles and covering the pitfalls. Lord, lead us on your level ground. Shine your light in us, through us and over us. May we make a difference in this world for your glory and purposes. Set your way before us. May all your plans succeed. Help us to reflect your peace and hope to the world that so desperately needs your presence and healing. Thanks be to you, God, for your indescribable gift. To you be glory and honour on this resurrection day and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.